If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. All right. So we are here for another episode of The Measurables with War Air. I'm your host, War Air. And this brother that we are with today, oh my goodness, got so many questions. Serial entrepreneur. Brother has his political game together, his relationship game together in terms of just real estate. Again, I said he's a serial entrepreneur. It's one thing to like want to do things. It's another thing when you're like doing things because you got a proper template that has been set for you and you do it well. Well, he's a friend of mine and yours, none other than Mr. Kareem Webb. What's good, King? Everything, my brother. How but, are you, man? Man, I'm blessed, bro. If it got any better, somebody have to rip my arm out the socket <laughs> and start beating me upside the head with it, bro. I'm, it's, all, it's, it's all good because it's a choice. Yes, sir. It is a choice. It is a choice. Yeah. So, last I saw you, you were living an absolutely fantastic life, vacationing. I mean, brothers, out there handsome, you know what I'm saying, in the water snorkeling. Like, how are you, like, I, I always start the show off with asking, how are you, how's your mental? How are you right now? How do you feel? You know, I'm, I'm in a reflective space because I've experienced some significant business adversity recently, mm-hmm. but... Um, you know, when, whenever you have something that's poignant, that's not status quo, go, that, that happens in life, it is your ability to, to take a step back and look at yourself because you've experienced adversity before. Right. So you're able to say, oh, okay, how sharp are my tools? And how good am I at deploying my tools? Right. And then you look at how you're doing. And when I look at how I'm doing, I'm saying, oh, well, juxtaposed to what's happening, I'm doing really well. I'm like, I'm actually reaping the reward of the personal development work, the the, the coaching, the investment. The, 10,000 hours. All of that. 50,000 with us. Yeah, and, and keeping the main thing the main thing. And, uh, and I think more than anything else, knowing that all of the stuff, you know, I- any accolades or any anything that might register to us as positive and good is coming through us. It's mm. not for us. Mm. Right? Like these gifts and everything else. And so when it's challenged, my self-worth is no longer attached to it. Right. Or at least is much, much, much less attached to it. Good or bad. It ain't about me. Correct. So I'm good. Turks and Caicos was very black, very spectacular, very aqua. 
<laughs> very all of those things very, and all more. the good all the good thing very tasty yes yeah it was all good so people who I always say that there are nighttime people and there are daytime people mm. and you reach a point where you don't need to I don't need to meet any more nighttime people mm. you are a, you are a professional daytime person what do I mean by that so daytime person is somebody who you see around the city you may go to certain events and you always see this person there, but you don't know who they are. But wherever the something significant is happening, that person is always there in the mix. People may not necessarily know you, but they know your work. They know that. Let me rephrase it. For people who don't know who you are, it's important for me like to always like go back. Because, like, you know how, like, people can come out of nowhere and people say, oh, man, that dude's an overnight success. No, he's not. That dude's been putting in work for a long time. His parents owned these franchises. So he he was under the tutelage of, like, wisdom. He's just, he, he's just at a point where now people are starting to take notice. But I've been putting in the work. That's what I think of whenever I see you. Because whether it's, like, you and Ed doing what you all do, whether it's you next to Garcet, I mean, like, Wherever the power brokers are is where you are. My question to you is, what, what role did your mother and father play in kind of setting the stage? Because it's not just you who's an entrepreneur. You have a sister, you have brothers. Like, like, I, I, like I've seen your family photo, like, and all of you all look like you're all doing well. Nobody's falling into the inner city diaspora. Mm-hmm. And you know what that is. Yeah, for sure. Like, how, like how, how beneficial was that that platform that they set up to you and where you are today? You know, we've been reflecting and talking about this a lot as a family because we're in the, where we are, you know, standing up a family business and the siblings are working together with mm-hmm. my dad. I've been in L.A. doing an L.A. Buffalo Wild Wings L.A. thing as my family was McDonald's franchisees and mm-hmm. IE or Inland Empire doing their thing. Mm-hmm. They sold that a year ago, and now we're all— All 16 of them. Yeah. Wow. They sold that a year ago, and now we're doing things together. So there's different dynamics, which are beautiful and incredible. It's, you know, it's incredible to, to, to be able to work with people who, where it doesn't take much alignment around character and expectation of uh, personal behavior. Yes. Um, and then people are talented— you know, um, with like specific strengths that you can bring together. I mean, that's, you know, I've got a business partner in Ed I've been rolling with since uh, the fourth grade. We're very different, come from similar dads. Mm -hmm. Similar fathers. Similar dads. But, um, um, (laughs) you know, in other relationships, you, you know, through life, you know, even if you, generally have the same goals there's so many differences in where you come from and life experiences that there's a lot of calibration it takes a lot of work right and in, with your family that doesn't necessarily that it's not that's not what it is so it's been really interesting working with super talented people that you're aligned with to answer your question man my great-grandmother really you know my mom's mom to a degree but my father's grandmother raised him we called her mama annie Originally from Mississippi, then to Arkansas, then to South Bend, then to L.A. Brought my dad here when he was 11. And 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 the church. And it was like, although there was no doubt about 
um, African American pride and place, mm-hmm. there was also zero compromise in on character. That's right. That's period. right. And um, I tell people all the time, as long as my parents have been in business, as many people that they've employed for long periods of time that have betrayed them, have stolen from them, or I've done, I never saw my parents, even in tough times in business, and there definitely were some, take advantage of somebody. I never saw them do the wrong thing, ever. Wow. And, like, you, you know, just what a blessing. And I was also talking about recently – how my dad was a master code switcher. So you, I, I, I was able to witness my father playing dominoes and the shit that he would talk with his homies and the way that he would embrace and how loud he listened to his music and what kind of music he listened mm-hmm. to. Then I would listen to him in conversations on board calls at the LA County Fair or with McDonald's executives trying to, you know, align with other African-Americans about our collective interests even as franchisees and what units they were getting in the inner city which were harder to run and less profitable therefore made you less competitive in your ability to grow and how to align without tearing down the brand right because your asset is the brand but you need fairness and and how to get people to see so his ability to enroll or his and his ability to see where he was trying to go and then get people to see that where that is is in their interests that's important. Right. But sometimes that doesn't always align, though. Yeah. The, the, the thing is, we're all like we're all the same, but we're all very different. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you can have like a brother. Y'all both came from the same mother and father. Yeah. But you all are both different because you are both individuals. Yes. So that's no different in business. Yeah. Like we're all African-American franchisees. Listen, do they want us here? Probably not. But since we are here, how can I make you understand that? Our 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 goals are more aligned than they aren't. That's a that, that is a skill. That's a skill because I mean, like I'll, I'll, I I have this conversation with my manager all the time. Black people are professionally busy when you ask them to do stuff. I mean, just off rip. And this could be your friend, somebody that you've been there for, somebody that you like like shared unlimited resources with, mm. mental, financial, whatever. They get up. And then you need them, and it's like, oh, well, you know, I gotta. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Ah, uh, you know, I got, I mean, just professionally busy. So when you talk about code switching, but when you also talk about, listen, we're all here collectively as black owners. We all need to be on one accord, getting everybody in church in concert with one another. That's amazing. In terms of the code switching, how important is that? My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. 
SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. I think one of the key characteristics of leadership is being committed to the outcome. And so if you are committed to an outcome, you are not committed to um, your receiving what you believe is due to you in the way that you believe it's due to you. Amen. Delve deep into that. Right. Well, so if I'm the leader and I'm committed to the result, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm more committed to the result that I am committed to whether or not you respected me along the way. Well, black people are all about respect, though. I think everybody's about respect, but specifically us. Yeah, but if, I, if I'm going to allow you and your choices and behavior to dictate to me what I'm going to choose to do, yeah. then I've given you control. Correct. Right? And... I'm committed to the outcome. I'm responsible for the outcome because the leader takes responsibility for the outcome. Correct. It's not like Kobe is like, well, you ain't practicing hard, so why should I? Kobe is like, leading by example. I'm committed to the outcome whether or not you practice or not. Just don't ask me to pass you the ball. That is the realest, one of the realest sentences. There's a video of, of, of Kobe towards the end he's in practice and like this is when um nick young was on the team <laughs> yeah carlos boozer you know all, all those guys and and, and and they could be excellent individuals you know what i'm saying but like kobe was like and i'm not passing to you motherfucker Y'all yeah niggas, have you ever seen that video yeah and like and, and, and like he's playing but it was actually it was actually matt barnes recalling the conversation he had with kobe and kobe's like i'm not passing the ball to them but the thing is, have you seen the video of that, though? There's a video of, of him, him not passing the ball. No, no, no. <laughs> of, 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 of him in El Segundo at the practice facility. He has a long T-shirt on, the practice jersey on, and they're practicing. But, like, he's t- like they were – obviously, they weren't doing well as a team. Wow. And, like, he, he had just reached his his wits end. And, like, you see him having conversations with Nick Young. Like, man, you, mother, you, you weak, bro. Like – I'm, this is why I don't pass you. Like he's having this yeah. conversation with them, and people are there—they're just quiet. Because what can you say to him? Like he's one five. You can't say nothing. So yeah, to answer your question, man, it, it, it's about commitment to the outcome, mm-hmm. and um, and then you can remove your ego. Right. It's, it's only about like strategically. What's the chess moves? Mm-hmm. What do you need from me to get me to 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 give you what you need? Right to pull your right. armor down, right, in order to align what's in your interests, right. I I don't need you to do it in a way that makes me comfortable because my mission is bigger than whether or not we, <laughs> we roll. I, this is a God thing, right. It's like what was I put here to do, right. Let's go get it done. So, your mother is um, is is equally a part of the business mm-hmm. as your father. 
in reference to the two of them in the house, you know, they mold you and the rest of your siblings. You get out and you become an entrepreneur. Like, do you draw upon any specific conversations that they shared with you that just made you even more ferocious? Uh, you know, there was a few. I remember a time when my dad was on my case about performance, school, academics, whatever it was. And I was comparing myself to a friend of mine. Another story. We can bring it to current day. But um, this was my carpool partner. This guy's dad was a vice president of a bank. And, you know, so there were some parallels. We went to Catholic high school. Yes. And so I told my dad, I was like, man, why are you sweating me? You know, XYZ is getting XYZ results. And my dad looked at me and he was like, <laughs> he said this person's name in a high-pitched voice. Right. Right. <laughs> like, right. like practice? Like, yeah, practice? exactly. <laughs> that. Right? And he said, he said, son, never compare yourself to the least of these. <laughs> it was that. It was that. Then he said, when I was 11 and he came in my room, he was a corporate executive for McDonald's. Um, and he said, man, you could never inherit my job, but one day you might be able to inherit my business. And then he took the action. He yes. left corporate McDonald's to become a franchisee. Yes. Um, I mean, that was, that. I mean, that, like seeing your parents own. So I never, ever thought, even though I have multiple different occasions had jobs, mm -hmm. I never thought I'd end up having a job it was always a stepping stool to what i was going to do and i was always even as a job having jobs a general manager at sports chalet i worked at sports chalet sports Bruh. chalet i i uh la crescenta yeah i remember the, yeah i remember yeah um yeah i worked a lot of different i've, I've worked at some jobs right mm -hmm. and i always get promoted fast because i understood the PL. And I understood what the owners of the business, what their priorities were, because I grew up at the dinner table thinking about priorities, access to capital, you know, what are the real drivers of the business, what moves. What moves the needle business-wise. What moves transactions and what makes the, optimizes the business. So right. that's the way you lead and manage and coach and talk and this, that, and the other. You don't get. Sidetracked. Yeah, you, gotta, you have to do the tactics. But most people are trained to do the tactics and never have an understanding about, you know, the entire vision of the whole field. Right. Just know wow. how to run plays. Keen perception. So there's something that I've always noticed with a lot of my friends who come from wealthy parents or business astute parents. Mm -hmm. That gene sometimes doesn't transfer. Give you an example. One of my good friends... His family owned a bunch of businesses in Altadena, Pasadena too. They were really focused on making sure that the kids understood the business. But this dude just wanted to gangbang. That's all he wanted to do. And I would have conversations with him because I come from a family rich in love, not finance. I say that all the time. Mm -hmm. My father owned businesses. He owned record shops. My mother, she was an entrepreneur. She had child care services because they were like they just got to a point where they were like we're not working for anybody else mm -hmm. so like my father told me early on because he was a veteran he was like i want you to want to keep 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 one thing at the front of your mental lobe if you don't do well in your studies you're going to the armed services he said i don't want you to go to the armed services because i know exactly the 
the BS that I dealt with mm. and how they really don't care about you there. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want to take care of business, this is where you're going to be. So it made me, it, it, it equipped me of like, that was what I always defaulted to whenever I started clowning with the homies in class, not really being on my studies. I always remembered his words. So my question to you is, why do you think sometimes that that business acumen skips over the kids and they don't end up like performing? They just like, you know what? I got this BMW. I'm out here. I'm in Los Angeles. Like Frank Ocean has a song, uh, Why See the World If You Got the Beach. Like, why do you think that happens sometimes? Uh, because especially for our people, mm-hmm. and it happens in other communities too, mm-hmm. but we're point, uh, poignantly aware of our parents' generation and the opportunities they had that our grandparents didn't have. Correct. Right? And And so – you know, it's like extraordinarily a shame. Like, it's like, what well, damn, you know what I mean? Like, how could you not pay it forward and grow it and this, that, and the other? But we're the descendants of slaves, brother, and your wealth does not equate to you having dealt with trauma. Correct. We also, our generation is a generation where our parents were raised by people who didn't explain anything. Because I said so. Because I said so. And we came from a generation that began to question. And the, the, the beginning of the hip-hop generation. And so we were, even if we didn't grow up in environments that were consistent with, um, you know, the most lacking resourced environments in the country, our prominent, everything about our prominent culture informed us of things that we weren't living and was the most attractive culture also associated with our skin color and with our blackness. Indeed. And so we were, you know, I grew up, you know, I mean, my parent, my mom went to Dorsey and my dad went to Manuel and we lived in Roland Heights, but we went to church in Lamert Park and my great grandmother lived, you know, near Roscoe's on La Brea and we were there every Sunday and cousins back and forth and all of that. But I know, I, I knew where I grew up. Right. right. But I was also informed like your parents are your parents, but I grew up on NWA <laughs> cube, Correct. right? Correct. Cube from a militancy perspective mm-hmm. and uh, the nation and all of that. And that, that level of awareness, but also, you know, wanting to be aligned with the Crips or the Bloods or like, and have an understanding because if not, then your blackness was in some way, shape or form. Less questioned. valid. Less, Less valid. valid. Yes. And if you have parents that one didn't grow up in hip hop and couldn't relate to that. Correct. Just turned it off and like, I don't want to deal with that. Like that's craziness. Don't listen to that around me or allowed you to listen to it and, and, and didn't understand the potential for how you were in adolescence, like dealing with that right. or coming into that understanding, then there's a lot of disconnect. Mm-hmm. Communication with your kids, I think we understand it differently now. Yes, like we, do. we don't, how many whoopings you get, man? Countless. How many times you whoop your kids? Not as much as I was whipped. I, didn't, I went to whip my daughter for the first time, man. <laughs> and I called my dad. I said, man, dad, I'm about to whip her for the first time. My daughter, I'm divorced. My daughter's growing up in Temecula. Okay. I lived in Venice. Okay. I'm on a 10 freeway 
passing Crenshaw, talking to my dad on the phone. By the time I got to Arlington, I was turned around and headed back. I said, Dad, I said, I said, man, I'm going to go with Amira for the first time. He said, man, I don't know. I wanted to say, Negro, what is you talking right. about? Do you, you not remember know? all the my weapons still right. <laughs> right? And 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 he said, he said, right. did it work for you? I said, skirt. Wow. Got off the freeway and turned around. But did it not? No. But but look. No, who, no, 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 Vi- no. Hold the, on, hold the on. violence and the whoopings only made me hide, lie. I didn't stop doing what I wanted to do. I just got better about being discreet about it. Like it, wow. it, with your children, I believe that it is about, listen, they're little people. And um, it is much better to massage their mind and get them to think about what's in their interests. And, because they're going to deal with the consequences no matter what as they get older. It's not going to be my consequences. It's going to be you. And I'm detached. Like, who you show up as, I'm not, you are not holding that over my own self-worth. If you end up as a fucked up young young person right. or person, right. it's not because I didn't do my best. I'll release it. I love you, but I'll release it. Right. Ooh. And so, um, wow. you got choice. Here's all the mistakes I made. Here's what I would do if I was you. I'll do everything I can to support you to do all the things that I believe are legal, moral, righteous you know, and in a, uh, you know, and align with godliness or like the right thing to be doing, and everything else, man. I hope, I, you know, I hope, I hope you make it out. And some of the mistakes you're gonna make that I made, that I had the grace of God. I hope you get the same grace. You know, I I, I saw a video of um, Ti talking about his youngest son, who's kind of like battling, yeah, a street vibe. And what I found so unique about the video is that. He was just like, you know, I love my son. Um, he's chasing the wrong energy. I was like, wow, that's amazing. He's like, that's that's see that there it is. But 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 to your point, he said, I've given him all the spankings I can give him. I've given him all the talks I can give him. At this point, he's gonna have to figure it out on his own. So specifically, what you said is is like a manifestation. Now, on the flip side of that. Me specifically, there are two types of kids I feel in the world. I feel that there are kids that you can whip verbally, and there are kids who actually need the rod of correction. <laughs> right? So that's what my mother called the belt. I needed the rod of correction because I just didn't, like, you could say it to me, but I had to feel it was hot to not touch it again. But if you told me it was hot, I was like, eh, let me just, ooh, it is hot. So this is a... <sighs> Very interesting set of circumstances with 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 how 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 some parents rear their kids. I, you know what we probably uh, for sure agree on is communication is key, and That's I'm key. And, and I'm sure you talk to your kids absolutely in ways that are a little bit more like we're just more knowledgeable around mental health. Yes, and my dad recently we recently talked to, took a ride, and you know he was disclosing for me in ways that he had ne- had never disclosed to me about his own self-esteem issues as a young person. Wow. And the way that he would talk now is he wouldn't say, I didn't know better and I just didn't, like, you know, those resources weren't around. He said, I didn't choose. Because you have a choice to, in everything. Yeah. And the reality is they weren't as widely available. It was way more taboo. Wouldn't it be no black entrepreneurs coming on in 1974 talking right. about I just left my counselor and like it's all cool and nobody's tripping right you'd be like man 
don't hire him. That right. nigga got to shrink. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> but you know what? You know you know to 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 gently switch lanes. There's something that I saw. There was an interview I saw that your parents did, and your father was talking about the first house that he and your mother purchased together, mm. Altadena, and how there were these covenants on it. Did your father ever share with you what covenants were? Were you aware of, of that whole situation? Because it is so, in its very thought, is diabolical. The fact that it was actual documents drawn up is beyond satanic. It's crazy when you think about what racial covenants are as it applies to ownership. And since we're both owners, both business people, ownership is, 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 is at the base of that. So did he ever share that with you? No, we never talked. I mean, we talked about a lot of other types of discrimination and business stuff, you know, um, that he witnessed, saw, and as we we saw things. But we never had that conversation. I came became aware of it when I got was in the real estate business and saw the covenants in View Park and Windsor Hills and so on and so forth. So, no, you're telling me something I didn't know. I didn't know on the house in Altadena, but I'm not surprised. I'm not. You know, the thing is, when you think about. And, and, and after we touch on this, we can move on to, to, to bigger and better, lighter situations. Mm-hmm. But when you think about ownership, right, I didn't really understand the diabolical nature of things, specifically as it pertains to redlining, until I graduated from college, met a woman I fell in love with, and then we went to go look for a house, right? Because at this time, I'm working at United Talent, and everybody there is other than African-American. Mm-hmm. So you got Jewish people, white people, Asian people. They're all getting homes. Their homes are being willed to them. Mm-hmm. The um, the title on the home is being signed over to them. Mm-hmm. Or daddy got an extra 250000 to just give you. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I know for a fact that my father doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. But why? Mm-hmm. I, I, I hadn't even thought about it, mm-hmm. right? So when you go to look for a house and the house is seven hundred forty thousand and you got to come up with one hundred twenty-five k, you're like, well, who set these rules up? So when you realize, oh, oh, th- this there was an actual document that redlined you from even owning property, which is why like we place so much emphasis on like the material things like a car or things like depreciating assets because we couldn't purchase anything else. So. To make, to, to, to make a very long story short, when my wife and I purchased our home, I asked the lady who had the title for the racial covenants. And when I asked her for him, she looked at me like she saw a ghost, but she was like, oh, you up on that? Like, that's how she looked. Mm. And when she gave them to me, like, she, she, she showed, she was like, well, I have to go to the microfiche. You remember microfiche? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to go to the microfiche to find it. So she found them, printed them up. The document was written in 1924 expired in 1967. It says specifically in the document, Kareem, nobody other than Aryan race can own this. Mm -hmm. Jewish people, Asian people, African-American, not allowed. Mm -hmm. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. So my wife and I, we, we, like, we got that and we framed it because we now own a home. 
in this neighborhood that was historically white but then turned black and now it's turning white again. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we did that is because we wanted our kids to actually see, like, this is, this is the end result of you not taking care of business. This is how they really feel about you. So please don't lose sight that if they did this once before, they will try to do it again. Question for you is, in reference to ownership, how do you feel that more people of African descent can like really control their destiny as it applies to ownership of not only their ideas, but just like, I mean, just, just, just across the board, like, how can we do that? Well, I, I think one that we have to be committed to information and getting answer and, and getting information because the information is available. Um, and so when you say, okay, we'll be committed to information, how do I do that? I think first, like with most things, it's about personal behavior. Mm. So can you take an hour a week, two hours a week, a half an hour, twice a week, to research something that you're interested in around wealth creation? Around And, and do what I call it is radically different. Like we all have a comfort zone. Wow. And yes. if your comfort zone is get up in the morning, you scroll IG, you do this, that, and the other, whatever, you know, or TikTok, whatever you do on socials, then you go to work, you watch your TV shows, you talk to the same friends or your partner or whatever it is that you talk to. If you've got kids, you got a routine with that. If you don't, we all have a routine, the things that make us feel comfortable, how we like to rest our mind, what gives us pleasure. We all do those things. And many of us didn't exercise the muscle of uh, studiousness, correct? academic excellence, the research. Many of us don't read really, right? So um, we're not making those choices. But if you could say to yourself, the truth of the matter is, is if I, if I began to discover some ways to get some information that I don't currently have, and that I probably wouldn't get doing the same things that I'm comfortable doing every day, how could I allow myself, invest in myself, an hour of discomfort a week? And you would find that, that first of all, when you start with the hour and you commit uncomfortably, put it in your calendar and your phone, right? and you sit down to do it, you're going to be there for three hours. Absolutely. Because you're going to get fascinated. Naturally. And if you can force yourself to do that, you'll start getting more information. You'll get curious about things you weren't curious about. You'll go try something you otherwise didn't try. You go to a meeting you otherwise wouldn't have gone to or got, you'll meet humans you otherwise wouldn't have met. And all of a sudden, life starts showing up in ways that otherwise wouldn't have shown up. Right. And I think that's where you start with wealth creation. Rather than giving somebody, go do these 10 steps, go to this school, go do this, go do that. No, look at personal behavior. Take small steps and give you invest in yourself for small wins. And everything, almost every time you invest in yourself, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Every time you go to the gym, you never leave the gym like, damn, I wish I didn't do that. No, nah, you could, yeah. But getting to the gym Bruh. is the investment in Bruh. yourself. Can I tell you? Can I tell you? Yeah. My mind, when, when, when I understood the power of my mind was when I – Post playing basketball, start a business, like you're you're putting in your ten thousand hours, right? Mm-hmm. 
So all of the other ancillary things around you, you're not really focused on. One of those things was really being active and like running, lifting weights, Mm -hmm. going swimming, just shooting and like just keeping your cardio together. I understood the power of my mind when I got back into working out because my mind was like, don't do that. Just sit right here five more minutes. (laughs) Your mind would literally talk you out, but like you have to like level set your mind like, nope, I got to do this right now. Mm -hmm. Like I work out three to five times a week. I mean, period. Because I dealt with a special situation health-wise that if I don't work out, like it's Mm. I, I can't be still like that. But when I really, really focused in, like my body would just tell me, like, don't do that. Just have a seat. But when you hop up and go do it, once you get into the groove of it, Kareem, it's it's just like, oh, thank God I did this. Mm-hmm. But your mind will literally, t- it will negotiate you out of what you know you should be doing. And and I'm saying don't beat yourself up in it. It don't. It doesn't have to be the two-hour workout with the super train. Like it don't have to be <laughs> bodies by Jake Beach Body, whatever. But like, right? Do you, you know what I'm saying? Right. Can you do 20 squats right now during the commercial? Right. Just give me 100 push-ups. That's, sets of 20. Just give me that. Because it, it. Because the thing is, it sounds so easy until you actually put it to use. Give me 20 push-ups. Sets of five. Wow. Take it to 30 next week. Wow. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Give me something and get, and then celebrate yourself. Right, right. So I always ask guests, if there was something that the current Kareem could tell the younger Kareem, what would that be and why? It's funny. I was talking to my sister yesterday. She asked a very similar question. And um, I gave a real specific answer. Mm-hmm. I, it really would have been about real estate investing. Yes. In my mid-20s, when I first started getting any amount of money that was more than, you know, just what it took me to survive, it would have been, like, understanding the value of 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 real estate and getting in early. Right. You know, if I could just wind it back and do one thing, like, if I do this one thing, Right. In addition to everything else I'm doing on the side, I'd have been buying property in Venice when it was $250,000 right. for, for, right. for the same right. house as a fixer then that right, right now is going for $3.5 million just for the lot. Right. You know? right. So that's, what I, that, that, you know, that, that's the one thing that I didn't grow up seeing. My dad wasn't a real estate investor. He was really singularly focused in McDonald's from a wealth creation perspective. Right. So it would be diversification and... Um, the integration of real estate as part of my wealth creation strategy. Absolutely. Because everyone who's super paid, they have a retail, I mean, a uh, real estate component. Yeah, not not everybody, but a lot of people. Okay. There's a lot of tech people, a lot of folks that get money doing other things with startup businesses that don't. But when you talk about passive income, when you start getting, listen, <laughs> I swear to God, it feels like my 30th birthday party was like 22 minutes ago. Right. 18 years ago. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it happens fast. Yes, it does. It happens Correct. fast. It don't feel like what it is. Right. And it's not going to get slower. Right. And so, you know, as you get to, uh, as I'm at in this age, at 48, growing restaurants, 
you know, looking at and growing opportunities that are intense in terms of the amount of management and risk that's associated with it. So many human beings, so many risk factors, this, that, and the other. People always going to need a place to live. Tell that. And real estate can be relatively passive. Yes. So when you're younger, if you acquire it, pay down debt on it, then when you're older, you have way more choice. Way, and, and that's what yeah. life is about. Yes. I, 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 was, I, I was, you know, I have these conversations, again, with people, and everybody has, everybody has something specific that they want to do and why they're working hard. I always tell people, I'm working hard right now, so if I want to go and ride my bike on a Tuesday at 1158, mm-hmm. I can go. Or if I just want to just get go go get a massage today, I can't. Like, that's the whole purpose of me working as hard and doing and meeting all of the people that I met, present company included, mm-hmm. you. Like, I built my business just so I can have choice mm-hmm. of what I want to do. I don't have to be at, su- at such and such's office at this time. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the whole purpose of all everything that we're doing. Got it. My other question for you is, in reference to and, – and, and, and this is going to the, uh, the rooms that you're in. You're in a lot of powerful rooms, a lot of powerful. I mean, like, people, do your research on Kareem Webb and understand, like, bro, the rooms that you are in are incredible. My question for you is in reference to the Olympics mm-hmm. and in reference to the unhoused situation that we have in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And how a lot of people just feel like it's just like, like if you get twenty that 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 <clears throat> fine housing, you got forty or a hundred stepping back into the system. Is there a way, or is there is there a plan of action that the city of Los Angeles can actually execute to get streets back to the way they were when you and I were coming up? Because when I was young, it wasn't like this. Mm. You didn't see people living under the freeway passes. It's just like it just seems like it just exploded. Now, since you and I are students of economics, we know that when you close drug facilities, when you when you close mental facilities, those people are going to end up somewhere. Now they're just ending up in front of your $1.5 million house. Yeah, and when wealth disparity continues to the degree that wealth disparity there's a lot of people that don't have mental health issues you know that don't that didn't begin with with um substance abuse issues that don't have money and don't have families to subsidize their reality and they end up living in their cars living on the streets and 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 the reality of living in the street when you live in an encampment you know, the trauma that you experience, like once you've lived in an encampment for a month, the probability of you ever getting out of homelessness is almost slim to none. Are you serious? Like what you experience? I right. mean, come on, there is there is prostitutions and right. gangs and drugs. And, you know, you, you think you were just driving by an encampment, but there's 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 an ecosystem. A, there's an ecosystem. Yeah. There's a head. They're paying rent to be there on them corners. They are. Oh, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's a real thing happening out here on these streets. Yes, How women paying rent with their bodies. All kind of things are happening that is real. Like it's 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 a traumatic thing to be a homeless person on the streets of Los Angeles or anywhere else. I was in Atlanta with with who I hope becomes our next mayor two nights ago, um, Karen Bass, and um, 
God willing, she's elected. And I know like the first hundred days, she's only going to be focused on this. There are people working on it that are, are more astute than I am. So I don't, I don't know that I've heard or that I'm aware of a plan or a solution. I do think we need to, to issue a state of emergency and uh, marshal all the resources that we can to make an impact mm-hmm. because the realities the economic realities that people are facing, you're right. The funnel is much greater than the solution right. Um, is right now. So there are more people coming on the street than there are coming off the street, even though we're throwing a lot of inefficient dollars at trying to solve this problem. But do you, and I'm asking you this, like you like the, 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 the homeless housings are mm-hmm. like, you're not, but like, you know, I, I, I again, to those rooms, do you feel that it's a situation that can be cleaned up by the Olympics? And after the Olympics, what do you do? All right. So, you know, you're talking to somebody who I'm, I'm interested in the Olympics because I'm, I'm interested anytime there's public policy that influences who gets the benefit. Wow. Wow. Yes. Delve deeper, please. Well, black people are 9% of the population of L.A., of Southern California in the region. Mm-hmm. Latinos, about 45 48%, somewhere in there. Asian, API, about 13%. Women, 51%. Um, and the policymakers are going to determine who gets Olympic licenses, who's making money, where, who's... I mean, there's so much money to be made. But, right. but also, there's a lot of money invested so there's money being that's going to get made on the money that's invested. A lot of right. things being built, right? A lot of apparatuses. But don't get it twisted, people. This is three weeks. <laughs> Talk that shit, bro. It's three weeks. <laughs> yes. So, <clears throat> another thing my old man would say a lot is keep the main thing the main thing. Yes. Don't ever just get caught up in because people are talking about the Olympics, like oh the Olympic. How much money is it really going to produce? Where is the money really being made? Right. Where do we have the ability to influence policy? How can black people, I'm assuming mostly black people, your audience, but to where I'm the most concerned, how can we make certain that we get our fair share? Correct. That's it. That's all. Olympics, Olympics, whatever. I don't really, you know. Olympics, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's the bo- sure that, that is the bottom line. Like, how do we get our fair share? So I think we should have our eye on the ball around that. But we also already spent $20 billion at the airport. We're going to spend another 10 Spending billions of dollars at the ports. The infrastructure money that's coming across the city. The affordable housing that's needed in the city. The entitlement processes. There's so many. They're, they're in so much progress that's going to happen. What about the fact that, you know, on, on uh, Internet availability and, and broadband, why does it cost more on a monthly basis to get broadband in South L.A. than it does in Calabasas? Why? Why do you spend less wow. on your, on your 10,000-square-foot house in Calabasas than somebody spends in Watts on a monthly basis for the same service? Wow. Why is that the case? So wh- what are the policy-related things that exist mm-hmm. that we can change that impact our ability to amass resources yes. so that we can take responsibility for our own uh, health outcomes, educational attainment, and wealth creation. So 
the only question I can ask following that is, why are you not in the political spectrum? Yeah, because I don't want to kiss no babies on Saturdays. <laughs> I want to go play golf, ride a bike right behind you, and go get a right. massage on a Wednesday at 3, right. 3, 325. Right. And, and the reality is there are great people who are passionate about doing that. I'm not. But I am passionate about knowing, and I'm passionate about knowing in a way that I can influence who, you know, making certain that there are conscientious mm -hmm. people like me and you who care about fairness, who are going to get opportunities to grow their businesses, make more money, and help us change our outcomes. That's why, like, you got to, I, I believe that it, it's a relief when you feel like you know why God put you on the planet, why you yes. were born, who you were born to. Yes. What 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 is your why? What are you here to do? Mm -hmm. I feel like I totally got mine. I'm in my lane. I don't have to do with begging for votes or begging for money, so I can right. go back. I, I don't want to do that. Right. I don't want to do that. I respect the people that do that. I respect. Right. And um, we'll help them get elected and and be aligned and help them, uh, you know, create policy and execute policy that that is in the interest of doing exactly what it is that we're that we're talking about here today. And most importantly, hold them accountable too. That's exactly right. Because I think, I, I feel like we are like the only group of people, black people I'm talking about, that really like help whatever party get to the, get to the, 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 the finish line. And then once they get to the finish line, the person who's benefited off of us, they just hand the baton back like, thank you, I got it from here. Like there's never any like follow through. Well, can I give you an example? Sure. Joe Biden and the gentleman from South Carolina, once he got on. Clyburn. Yes. Once he, I'm talking, when I say he, I'm talking about uh, Biden. He said, man, you put me on the map. Remember how excited he was on that stage? Because mm -hmm. his ass wasn't going. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going at all, bro. But once he got on, put uh, Kamala in. And I feel like in, in, in a lot of ways, Kamala has been very disappointing. And, 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 and we're not going to make this political, but I'm just saying, like, there is, like, like Anglo Jewish people, they hold the people accountable. And if you're not going to be accountable, okay, this is what we're going to do. We collectively, as a community, are going to rally our resources. We're going to build our schools, build our ambulance services. We're going to do everything, all the things that we need. We're going to make sure that we finance them. I don't understand how we have such a hard time, like, Purposing our resources towards just our, our basic survival needs. Well, let, let me speak to the political um, <clears throat> commentary you know, yes, from my POV. Yes, sir. What I would say is that there, there, is, there is no in the interest of black people party. Correct. It does, it does not exist. Correct. Yes. What there are is the red team and the blue team. And at the blue, with the blue team, if you're black, you're more than likely you, you're going to get a seat at the table. With the blue and, team. Yeah. And mm -hmm. some of your issues are overall issues are going to be considered. There are things that the blue team does that I think are totally uh, to the antithesis of what generally is in our interest. Right. But I don't think they're going to try to keep us from voting. I don't think that they're going to generally try to keep us in prison and get free prison labor. I don't think that they would take us back to slavery if they could. Hmm. And the red team would. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, even Proof though if you got some money, yeah. there's tax benefits on the reds. But at some point you got to say, you know, are you putting your money and your tax benefits ahead of, you know, you know, around your character and your alignment for your, your okay. greater community. Right. Yes. 
So, okay, then there's, but the blue team wants to get reelected. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And although the vast majority of us vote for the blue team because we understand this reality and because so many of us do, it oftentimes puts them over the top. We don't have enough votes to get them elected alone. It's the reality of it. And so they have to appease white folks who are not in our interests, but are aligned with enough of the blue issues to get their votes, too. And so Joe Biden knows very clearly that there is a fine line. I'm going to give y'all Kamala Harris. I'm going to give y'all some things that you guys are going to disproportionately benefit from because so many of us are we're disproportionately poor. Correct. So Correct. so if we, you know, if we do things, you know, around equity, um around, you know, and the infrastructure bill, if we do things around okay, here's the policy, go get involved in local government and make certain that they got the 2 billion dollars, go make sure that y'all getting your fair share. We put it in the policy. Now right. they're going to go administer it in the way that they go administer it. We can't take control of that. So there, there, there are some things that are done in ways with the red team. It wouldn't be done, but it is not a total sum game. Right. You got to understand the nuances of it. And if they're not elected, we don't get none of it. Right. At least, at, at, at least if they're elected, we get some of it. I'm not saying we don't stop advocating and don't stop being in their face because the, the more that we're in the face, the more that we can push, the more that we can get, the more ammunition we give them to tell the semi-sympathetic white folks. You're on the blue team, too, labor. You're on the blue team, too, so and so. Like, if you want these things, too, we got to give these black folks what they need. Right. 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 And so, like, yeah, it mm. makes sense to fight. But you got to understand there is a coalition and we don't make up all of it in order to, to win. Because if you don't win, you don't get the judges. You don't yeah. get to set the policy. Yeah. You're going to see after November, if the Democrats lose the Senate in the House, there's going to be a lot of changes that are not going to benefit us. Right. They're going to disproportionately be Affect us. against our interests. Now, that being said, in reference to us being you know, the, the, the population we are in the, in, in the United States. Remember when Nader ran against Bush too? Remember that? Yes, barely. I mean, I, yes. But the thing is that, that he took a lot of the votes away yeah. from the Democrats that ultimately affected, and the reason why it came down to Florida being the... Yes. Yes, right. okay. So even though we are a piece of that puzzle, per the piece that we are... There still has to be more accountability, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. From and like it's 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 like this works two ways. Like when I put out a collection, you come and purchase it. Mm-hmm. Like because you like what I do. Mm-hmm. Now on the flip side, and I like who you are. But and I appreciate. So that. even if I'm on the fence about whether or not I want to spend that G or whatever it is, mm-hmm. I'd rather not go to a couple of dinners and spend that money on somebody that I, I respect who they are as a person, in mm-hmm. addition to the fact that I rock the gear. Mm-hmm. But, damn, bro. Are you so advanced? You get to the question before I even ask I'm it. I'm sorry. God damn it. Let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but, but the point I was making was I, I make something, you purchase it, so you benefit from it because you're wearing something great. I benefit from, from it because you've purchased it. But, like, 
when you ask me to do something, I'm going to do it because you've already you like like you've already shown me like I support you, mm-hmm. right? So just using that as an example, just pause it right there, as it applies to the blue team and us. If I help you get over the line, bro, you got to come back with something that's equitable for us. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. That's the, that, that's the only thing I'm saying. Yeah. Now, in reference, now I I, I just want to switch slightly. In reference to you intentionally being black, unforgivingly, unapologetically, mm-hmm. like we've had conversations where you're like, you know what? I'm not giving money to X when I can come to A. Mm-hmm. What informed that train of thought? Well, first of all, yeah, I believe that what's in the interest of black people is in the interest of all people. Correct. Correct. Our ability to be self-determined and improve our outcomes makes everybody safer. It improves the economy for everybody, grows people's wealth, have the ability to spend it anywhere. It's all good. Let me pause you right there. Right. It also makes people from the outside who are not us respect us. Because if you got enough respect to look after your the the, the things that you need, I got to respect you. That's right. But if you're not, and I see how frivolous you are and how wasteful you are. Why do I have to respect you? Yeah. You don't respect yourself. Yes, right. Anyway, you were saying. There's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was saying, to your point, right? Like, if we tie in the, the, the last point around, around politics, like Mayor Garcetti. Um, Being intentional about your blackness. Yeah, Mayor Garcetti appointed me to the airport commission. Yes. Okay, I'm going to make sure there's African-American on the airport commission. There's seven of us. All these billions and billions of dollars are being spent. I know why I'm there. Right. Right? And and so now it is on me to make certain that I carve out a pathway to parity. Like, how do we only get in 1% of the $20 billion and we're 9% of the population, then how do we get to 9%? Exactly. How do I use my skills to enroll the other board members that that's the right thing to do? And then how do we create the policy at the airport to go get it done? That's why I'm there. That's how it's supposed to work. And if it gets done, if we spend $30 billion at LAX and black people get $3 billion of it, which is 10%, businesses that are owned by black, how much of that money do you think really gets reinvested in real estate more than likely in areas that otherwise wouldn't have happened? in the nonprofits in our community that otherwise wouldn't have happened. Correct. And, and like we improve our, we have a much higher chance to improve our outcomes if we get a fair share of the bread. Right. And if we do that, if the young men that you've come and graced right at the brotherhood crusade, get more opportunities, everybody's safer. Everyone. Right. If they, if they have now the opportunity to go to a college and scholarships they, they otherwise wouldn't have had, if they are businesses that are not going dis- to discriminate against somebody with the name Warair or Jamal or Kareem, it, it, for them to get a shot Talk to be able to afford to accumulate $125,000 to put down on a $750,000 affordable house, affordable you know, Correct. unit yes. in the transportation corridor. Mm-hmm. Along the expo line, as a young person, we're all better off. Yes, we are. We're all better off. That's how uh, it's supposed to work. 
Wow. It's just got to happen. And that's why I'm intentional. So, again, again, this brother will answer a question before I get to it. Your involvement in Destination Crenshaw is what? Well, I'm supportive of Marquise. I think we got one of the most dynamic, um, you know, elected officials in the city is Marquise Harris-Dawson, which is his idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those that, that aren't aware of Destination Crenshaw, look it up. It will be the largest outdoor art gallery museum, basically, you know, um, in the country. And one of the largest in the world, yes. spanning two miles yes. along Crenshaw Boulevard. So as it continues to gentrify and um, the historic, cultural nature and residency of African-Americans in L.A. continues to decline, which it will, as you get off the plane in um, at LAX and travel to downtown LA, you are going to see uh, and Color. experience Black LA forever. That's important, right? And so that's what Destination Crenshaw is about. You know, I'm, I've supported it financially. I support it generally. I don't have an official role, but all the people that are involved, I think, are are you know the effort in and of itself is. Um, incredible, you know, started by, um, you know, a visionary, dope, Morehouse brother leader, Marquise Harris-Dawson. My brother. Now, you know, g- generally on the show, we, we we talk about just, like, fashion as an overarching thing. But, like, you know, that's just a microcosm of just business. Mm. And it's important for people like yourself to be on this platform because I just want people to understand, like, Behind all the glitz and the glam of everything, you have to take you have to be knowledgeable about the business of your business. Mm. There's so much power behind the camera, so much power behind the pen. Because if you're behind the pen, that means you're holding it. Right? Mm. So <sighs> this conversation literally can go on for hours because like everything that has to do with LA in terms of like real estate, in terms of policy. Like, I didn't know a lot of those things, but when I met Ed and I met you, you all, like, like you brothers were, like, have definitely been, like, a guiding light for me to just even understand that. And, and like, and like I, think, I think a lot of times, specifically with our community, we get caught up in the, the, the athlete, actor, the rapper. People aren't following you down the tunnel asking you what you're wearing, but they should because – what you have to offer is better than what, you know, some 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 other player walking down a tunnel can offer in terms of life scope. Like I can tell you, like this is off white and this is dope, you know, at Staples Center, but like, what's really going to affect my life? Me knowing about that three billion dollars—that's so important. My question for you is, in reference to, you know, Los Angeles and the corridor that Destination Crenshaw rest in, you have the Baldwin Mall, hmm. which has been, like, something that, like, people are trying to figure, they, they, they've tried to figure out what to do with it for years, and I know that there's a guy who wanted to crowd surf the money to, to purchase the mall, blah, blah, blah. Like, what do you think about just that entire situation? And, and, and can the Baldwin Mall be something that, like, we retain and we build? Or do you have to, like, you know, like Muhammad Ali said, you know, you got... Jewish cats who got the money, but you got the brothers who got the ideas. Yeah, well, the mall was bought, right? So a Jewish yeah, guy, yeah. yeah, he purchased the mall, mm-hmm. 
there's a brother that's involved in it that I that I I have confidence in that got some equity in the deal and it will be involved throughout Good. the process. Uh, Jason Lombard. Yes. Um, and that's Ken. Is that Ken's son? Yeah. Ken's son is in the deal. Okay. And so, um, and it was entitled. You know the the you know the 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 reality of what should be done there is probably a totally new re-entitlement, but hmm. there there's. Um, it would be too difficult to get it done and get it through planning with all of the lawsuits and the guy you were talking about, Damian Goodman, and other people who would oppose um, anything, hmm. it, you know, including what would be in the interest of the community. community. And so what's going to happen is that what was entitled is going to get built there. And um, pretty soon we're going to see the Santa Barbara Center be developed too, uh, you know, in and around the Kaiser. That's so, next to Kaiser, right, right, right. We're going to get um, a lot of new um, on a scale of one to 10 in terms of it being as beautiful as it ought to be and as useful as it ought to be and contemporary as it ought to be, given um, how long we've waited and what ought to be there and who ought to be involved right. and who ought to be benefiting from it financially from an ownership perspective who could have. It's probably going to end up being a four. But it, but it, but but ultimately, it's been a, a negative five for decades, for forty years. Decade, yeah, for forty years, at, uh, at the heart of our community, and there's been like no more, like sore thumb that could, you know, be an example of how fucked up shit is for us. Than to be sitting right there on Crenshaw Stalker, Crenshaw and King, and have a dilapidated, not useful entertainment complex, whatever campus. You know, I, I was talking to uh, Steve Ballmer, who owns the Clippers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who was thinking about purchasing it in, in in order to do what he's doing in Inglewood there. Wow! And chose not to because I think it was just easier on All the, the entitlement related stuff to, to go get it done in Inglewood, but. Um. Yeah, but we're gonna get something, and and the key for us is keep on building on it. You know, from uh, on Crenshaw Boulevard, from the Ten Freeway, and you see CIM and the folks that are doing all the West Adams are are they're on Crenshaw now? Yeah, they're on but Crenshaw what, now. Yeah, yeah. What's gonna happen from Stalker to Florence? That's where, you know, there are still opportunities and how much of us are going to own. How come we can't create that corridor along Destination Crenshaw and make that the next Fairfax? You know what I never understood is there is, um, you talk about CIM, right across the street from the Taco Bell on Crenshaw, the two plots of land that um, Los Angeles owned. They sold it. It's being built. Beautiful office building. It's like it's going to be mixed use. What I, not, I never understood is when you have a congregation, Bishop Blake, of all types of professionals, why can't we purchase that? I mean, we, we, we actually, we already own it. Why can't we do exactly what CIM is doing? Why do we have to sell that to get the money to do? I mean, like, I, I know that they're building out their campus where, where they are off of exposition. But, like, how come that couldn't be something that was retained and just built? Well, well, the good thing is that the church is in all those deals. The good thing is that the church is in all those deals. So although they brought in developer partners, the church is in the deals. So even though they sold it, 
They didn't really sell it. I think okay. they donated the land to the deal. Thank you, Kareem. And they're part of the deal. Thank you, brother. And so, um, yeah, they didn't walk away. <clears throat> Bishop Blake is is too bright for that. And um, he's in the deal. And sometimes, you know, what you do is you you deal with the professional who understands the entitlement process. This is what they do for a living. Right. I'm a pastor. Right. 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 And, you know, I'm going I'm to I'm tend to the flock. <laughs> I'm going to go find a developer <laughs> that knows how to develop. We own the land. Amen. Right, and go make something of it that can benefit the community. And oh, by the way, we're also like there are requirements um, um, for who the retail can be and community benefits as well as affordable housing. Okay. And okay, yeah, I, I think those deals are relatively done. You know, you would like to find African American developers who you know may have been the partners in those deals, which is is not the case. Mm-hmm. But notwithstanding that, I think I think they're good deals. So. Wrapping this up, there are two questions. The first one is, can you tell the listeners something out? Um, let me redo that. Um, there are two questions I have for you. The first question is, can you tell the listeners something that they don't know, but you always wanted people to know about you or about business, about anything that you would just want people to know that they otherwise wouldn't know? I, yeah, I think, I think the, the, the thing that's given me the most, like the, the epiphany that is the biggest thing, it is really not what you do, it's who you are. And there's no, um, I don't believe in compartmentalization. Yes. So it's not Kareem the Buffalo Wild Wings guy or Kareem the airport guy or Kareem the community guy or Kareem the the homie. Yeah. Or whatever. It's just Kareem, man. And like and and who you show up in one thing is how you show up in all things. You know, and and correct. The best way to love yourself is to keep investing in your tools cuz life is going to keep coming at you. And the sharper your tools, you know, it just means that you have a better way. It's like cutting a cake, man. Like, the cake's going to get cut. But the sharper the knife, the better the technique, you know what I mean? It'll hurt a little less. It'll be a little cleaner. It'll be prettier on the plate. Right. Don't mean that you ain't going to get cut. Right, right. But how do you want to go about doing it? Don't make it messy. It don't have to be as messy. Right. God, God's gonna throw life at you. It's coming. Correct. Good, bad, and that. ugly. Don't I know that? Yeah. Just, just, just keep working on your tools. Keep working on your tools. Keep working on your tools, and know it's not about you. And the last question is, what's next for you? Yeah, I think what's next for me is is super interesting. I'm I'm involved in a way I've never been in, in real estate. So in affordable housing and I I'm looking at to do big things on the real estate side. Yes. And I'm looking to do much, much, much bigger things than I've done in the past. Um um, you know, in the retail restaurant ownership side. So like the next year there'll be some some major stuff coming. I'll still be incorporating social equity, trying to find, you know, finding ways to help people own businesses. Yes. Who otherwise um, wouldn't have had the opportunity. Who otherwise probably wouldn't have had the opportunity, not needing money or equity to get involved in deals, but to be in deals and to be outstanding owners so we can improve our outcomes. That's, that's what I'm about. That's what I'm about to do at a much, much bigger scale. So that's it. Another episode. Brother Kareem. Man, brother, thank you so much for showing up. 
It's showing out, brother. Well, thank you, man. Thank you for being you. Thank you for putting us in these garments that are us. Appreciate that. And that are, uh, you know, make us proud to wear. I'm a statement garment wearer. Amen. And so I'm so grateful, yes, you know, that uh, you are a part of our ecosystem and that you're the brother that you are. Amen. God bless you, man. Appreciate you. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.